Today, I want to discuss this topic and this thing with you. Where is your proof? As we discuss triggered and what it actually means to be in loving relationships, I think it's interesting and intriguing that Jesus said to his disciples in John 1335 that the proof you all are in relationship will be your love. That's interesting and intriguing to me because there are a lot of things that in our contemporary culture we use to show that we are in relationship with God. Uh, we, we wear Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts. Uh, we, we put fish on the back of our vehicles. We, we talk about our denominations. There, there are a lot of different things that we do to try to identify ourselves with God. But what's interesting to me is that Jesus tells us what proves we are in real relationship with him. And he didn't say it was our titles. He didn't say it was our popularity or prominence. He, he didn't say it was our popularity. He said that it is your love. Why did he say it's our love? I believe it's because we're reminded that God is love. I'm going to pause here parenthetically and talk to my singles. Singles, be very careful about falling in love with anyone who is not falling in love with God. Be, be very careful. It's not that they'll be perfect. They'll have problems. But can you see something different in them? Are, are, are they chasing after purpose and God's plan for their life? Be very, very careful about attaching yourself to anyone who has not attached themselves to God because it is impossible to love if you do not have God because God is love. Now, we can show love. We can do loving things. We can be kind to people, but, but it's impossible for us to show a pure love if we don't have a relationship with God. I love what Pastor Reagan said when he was dedicating those, those babies challenging the parents to grow their relationship with God. Why? Because we can't truly and authentically love our children if we don't love God. We can feed them. We can put a roof over their heads. We can make sure they have clothes on their back, but we can't show our children the pure love of God if we don't have God in our lives. And so to the degree that we have God is the degree that we can truly love. Somebody can say that they love you, but if they don't have a relationship with God, let me tell you, their love is not pure. And love is not something that we say. Love is something that we show. That's why Jesus says, your love for one another will prove. You can't just tell me you love me because somebody said talk is. One day, <laughs> you're going to have to prove it. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> One day, I'm going to let you down. 
Let, let's just keep it real. One day, your child is going to do something to, to where you're going to have to prove you really love them. Hey, one day your parents are going to do something where you're going to have to prove you really love them. One day your spouse is going to let you down and you're going to have an opportunity to show what you said. There's a scripture that if I had written a Bible, I would have left out. It's Colossians 3.13. I don't like it. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. An allowance is what you give somebody to spend. Some of us will give our children an allowance. We're told here in Colossians by Paul, that Jesus wants us to give somebody an account to let us down. We're, we're told that we should give someone something that they can spend to upset us. He says, make an allowance. Give somebody a bank account to belittle you. Give somebody an allowance to be a little self-centered and arrogant sometimes. Give somebody an allowance why would he say give somebody an allowance? I believe we can't love until somebody lets us down. Can I love you if you've been perfect? Can I love you if you always do what's right? Can, can I love you if, if, if you never let me down? It's to the degree that somebody lets us down, that we have the opportunity to fill that gap with the allowance that is given. That's why when someone lets you down, the enemy will whisper, they're not worth it. You can do better. Don't you think that guy who took you to the prom would be so much better than your husband? He was interested. <laughs> I always tell young people when they're dating, I said, don't believe who you're going on your first date with. That's just their representative. <laughs> Nobody always smells that good. Nobody always looks that good. Their car will not be that clean once you say I do. Trust me. <laughs> That's their representative. <laughs> When you get close to people, you see their cracks. You will see their flaws. That's why to be in love means giving an allowance. Our faith has to be our filter for our relationships. What is a filter? A filter 
is a mechanism that you can attach to your faucet. And the filter's job is to extract unnecessary additives. The filter extracts unwanted elements. The, the filter extracts things from the water that will make it unhealthy. Where our faith is meant to be a filter for our relationships. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the ways of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to see God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. In other words, use your faith to be different. Our faith should be a filter for our relationships. We shouldn't be divided like the world's divided. We shouldn't be getting divorced how the world gets divorced. We shouldn't be cussing people out how the world cusses people out. We, the, the faith that is our filter should be extracting some of that bigotry. That, that faith that is our filter should be extracting some of that bitterness. That faith that should be our filter should be extracting some of that hatred. That faith that is our filter should be extracting some of that unforgiveness. That, that faith that our filter should be removing the judgment. That, that faith that's our filter should be taking out some of our pride and self-centeredness. How can we say we have faith when our heart's the same? Galatians 3.28 says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Why would Paul say this? I believe that as he grew in his relationship with God, his faith began to change his perspective of people. Paul was a Jew. He would have not ever been connected with Gentiles. P Paul was from the, the tribe of Benjamin. He, he was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. He, he would have had rules. He would have had restrictions. He would have had reasons to not be in relationship with other people. But it's amazing that he writes Galatians 3.28, which seems to have changed his point of view. He, he's saying now that I shouldn't judge you based on gender. He's saying now there's no more slave or free. I shouldn't be judging you on your social class. I shouldn't care what your title is is. I shouldn't care what your level of education is. I shouldn't care what side of town you're from. That he, He's saying that, 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 that we're all one in Christ. You could be Jew. I could be Gentile. I could be Gentile. You could be Jew. It shouldn't matter. But wh Why? Because race and ethnicity, it, 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 it's a divider. But what, what we should all be focused on is our relationship with Christ. And when faith becomes your filter, I I can love you though that I'm different. I can show you care even though we're on from the opposite sides of the track. I, I can be in relationship with you even though we don't know and, and, and see things the same way. Why? Because I'm filtering my relationships through my faith and, and instead of filtering it through other people's faults. 
for many of us, if we're honest, faith isn't our filter. Our feelings are. I'll, I'll have an attitude with you because I don't like you. You, you, don't, you don't vote how I vote, therefore we can't be in relationship. You don't have the amount of money that I have, and so it's a waste of time to have lunch with you. You can't do anything for me. That, 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 that is not a Christ-like view. What, what Paul says is that there should be nothing else dividing. Why? Because the devil divides, but God unifies. It gets better. Here it is. 1 Corinthians 9, 20 through 22. Don't miss it. Even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, what did I do? I lived like a Jew. Why, Paul? Because I wanted to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Here's the part I want to highlight. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. In other words, when I'm with the Jews, I don't eat ribs and bacon. But when I'm with the Gentiles, we have cookouts. Why? Because I'm going to do whatever I can to be in relationship. He's saying when I'm with the weak person, I act as if I'm weak. I don't act as if I'm better than them. I don't act like I'm on another level with them. I bring myself down a notch. Why? Because I want to win the weak. If we want to be a light to a lost world, we've got to stop Stop judging them and try to become more like them, not in sin, but in relationship. How can we put ourselves in positions to where we can love those who are not like us? Just because you hang around with people who don't believe what you believe doesn't mean you're like them. You should be strong enough in your convictions for, to change them, not them change you. They said that Jesus was, was a sinner because he hung with drunks and prostitutes. They, the Pharisees, only wanted to surround themselves with people they were like. And that's why Jesus called them hypocrites. 
You only want to be with people who have what you have. You only want to be with people who believe what you believe. You only want to be with people who are from where you're from. You only want to be with people who have the same ethnic background as you. You only want to be with people who vote how you vote. You only want to be with people who have the perspective that you have. He said, how are you going to reach the world when you don't want to connect with them? He says, here's what I do. I try to find common ground with those I don't have anything in common with. That, that, that right there will change your relationships. He says, we might not have anything in common but I'm going to go out my way to find something in common, even though we're uncommon. I'm going to find something that can bring us in relationship together so I can show you what I have in Christ. I, I, I'm going to find a reason to have some lunch with you. I'm going to find a reason to reach out. I'm, I'm going to try to find some common ground, even though we're uncommon. That is how Jesus lived. Jesus was God, but because he knew he, he had to die for man, he said, I've got to become a man. God became a man, not because he felt like it, but because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believeth in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. God became a man. That, that is someone uncommon finding common ground. God, God was a king, but he became a carpenter. That's somebody that has nothing in common, but he's trying to find common ground. G God was... Jesus was the creator of the earth, but yet when he came to earth, he told the disciples that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man having a place to lay his head. He was the creator who came to be crucified. Genesis 1 says, for God, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That word God is the Hebrew word for Elohim, which means plural God. It means that Jesus created the earth. God, the Father, created the earth. The Holy Spirit created the earth. And then Jesus comes to earth and says, I can't even get a hotel. I made it and I don't have a place to stay. Why? Because I'm uncommon trying to find common ground. I don't have any Hilton Honors points. I, I, I can't find a place to lay my head, I, but I'm doing it out of my love. I'm trying to demonstrate how much I really care. I'm trying to show you what love is. And isn't it amazing that God would come and be crucified, but we can't find any reason to sacrifice? Relationship hinges on finding common ground with those we are uncommon. I remember when my beautiful baby girl was about five or six. I can't believe she's about to turn 13 in a week. It's scary. I'm praying for <laughs> y'all pray for us. Um, she loved my little pony. And I'm a businessman. I'm a pastor. I have a lot going on. 
but she loved Little Pony. I didn't have anything in common with it, but she would come into my office and ask, Daddy, can we watch My Little Pony? And I would put my work down and we would watch Fluttershy. We would watch Rainbow Dash. We would watch Rarity and Applejack. And she would be amazed that we could have deep conversations about Rainbow Dash's sports and, and how Applejack liked the farm. It's embedded in my mind eight years later. Why? Because I was trying to find a, a common ground for something of which I was uncommon. And to the degree I could find that common ground, she interpreted as love. Pastor Steve, um, who's a part of the prayer group where we meet at 8 a.m. at SRP Park, was talking about when he was dating his wife. Steve hates to shop but his wife loves it. And he would talk about when they would go on dates, she would just be so excited that he would spend two hours with her in the mall. He, he hated it, but she would be in love because he, she knew he hated it, but he would sacrifice that for her. That, that was his way of showing love. We don't have to like what we do but love will make you force it. We have to find common ground. Ladies, you may not love football, but can you watch a game with it? That, that's, that's someone uncommon finding common ground. Men, you, you, you may not like to shop, but can you spend some time with, with your wife? Why? Because that's somebody who's uncommon finding common ground. There, there may be other things that we want to do at times in our life, but the way we show love to others, the way we let our light shine, the, the, the way we grow our relationships is if we can find common ground with that which we really uncommon. How uncomfortable are we willing to make ourselves to make relationship work? That, that's the question. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. John 10.10 10 says, don't miss it, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Okay, I said don't miss it, you missed it, let me try again. Philippians 2.7 says, Jesus emptied himself by doing what? Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. But John 10.10 says, I have come that they may have life and what? Have it. To the full. 
How do we help a person get a full life? It's an open book test, y'all. I just told you, Philippians 2.7. It says, Jesus emptied himself. Why'd you empty yourself? John 10.10, my mission statement. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If somebody around us has an empty life, it's because we're still too full. If we're in relationship with somebody and they, are, and they aren't happy, it could be because we're still too full of ourselves. Jesus says, I'm going to empty myself so that you can have a full life. That means if we want somebody around us to have a full life, it may mean emptying ourselves. It, we can't be full of ourselves and expect the people around us to have a full life. Emptying ourselves means being a servant. Emptying ourselves means doing what we don't feel like doing. Emptying ourselves means putting someone else first and putting ourselves last. Jesus says, I can't that they may have life to the full, but if they're going to have a full life, that means I have to lose mine. If somebody in your life is empty, it could be because we're still too full of ourselves. If there are people, if there's a community that's in need, sometimes it's because the church is still too full of themselves. If there are children struggling in our homes, it's hard to see sometimes because it's, it's hard raising kids in 2023. Things are so expensive. Inflation's out of the roof. Oftentimes, it, 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 it takes both people working and earning to, to make it happen. But, and, and oftentimes, the, the children are left raising themselves, trying to figure out what, what life looks like and how to thrive and be successful. And, but, but, but sometimes, it's because the parents are chasing the Joneses. The parents are, 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 are chasing their own careers and their own fame and fortune. And unfortunately, the children are in the house empty, but the parents are so full. Sometimes we can have spouses that are selfish and self-centered. And it's not about what they need. It's about what I want. And we're living and sleeping with people who are empty while we're full. Here's a question. Are you emptying yourself for those who God has called you to be in relationship with? Are you emptying yourself for your ministry? Are you emptying yourself 
for your children? Are you emptying yourself for your spouse? Are you emptying yourself for your community? Or is your goal greed? Is your goal more education when you don't need it? Is your goal more money when you already have more than enough? Is your, is your goal popularity and power and prominence when God is saying, for you to please me, you don't need more. For you to please me, you need less. Because if you want to be my disciple, you must first deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. And, and he who tries to keep his life will lose it. But anybody trying to lose their life for my sake will save it. It gets better. It says, and being found, verse 8, Philippians 6, in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He let his love take him to the cross. How far will we let our love take us? Do we have a limit to our love? Because if we have a limit to our love, that's contract, not covenant. Covenant has no limit to love. Covenant says for better or for worse. Covenant says for richer or for poor. Covenant says no matter how you look. Covenant says no matter what you do, I'm there for you. Covenant says we're connected. And Jesus humbled himself to the point of death. Let me tell you, truly humbling yourself hurts. <laughs> if you're not hurt, you ain't humbled yourself yet. Humbling yourself hurts. Giving honor and not getting it back hurts. Loving somebody who's not returning it hurts. Give, giving all you have for people who won't respond or respect it hurts. He said, I'm, I'm going to humble myself because God demonstrates his love in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. Second Corinthians 12, 9 says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect in weakness Paul had a thorn in his flesh and he prayed three times that God would remove that thorn we don't know what the thorn was all we know is that he had pain that he was praying that God would alleviate and God, in the middle of his pain, told him no. But in his no was a yes. I'm going to say no to taking away the pain, but I'm going to give you the strength to get through it. 
Sometimes God will tell you no, but his no means yes. His, his, he may not take away the pain, but he'll give you the strength to get through it. He may not say yes to the healing, but he'll give you the, pain, the strength that you need to deal with the pain. He may not say yes to the extra finances, but he'll give you the wisdom to navigate when you have more month than money. He may say no to answering your, your, the, what your request for resolving the problem, but he says, I'm not going to leave you high and dry. I'm going to give you the grace to get through it. His strength is used to make us strong where we're weak. And if God is in us, shouldn't we have a strength that someone in our life can use to get better. If God says, I'm, I'm going to use my strength to make, and my, my strength is going to be made perfect in your weakness, who can look at us and say that our strength was made perfect in their weakness? Who can look at us and say, I, I, I have more hope because of you when I was hurting. I have more faith because of you when I was frustrated. I, 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 I am stronger because of your strength in the middle of my weakness. You should have something a person you're in relationship with can benefit from. Do you have a strength that someone else can use when they're weak? Let, let me help you. Oftentimes, when, when we see people who are weak, we don't give them our strength. We detach ourselves, we disconnect because we're not getting what we want because they're weak. See, God will allow people you're in relationship with to be weak because he wants to see if you're going to respond how he responds. He wants to see if your faith is going to be your filter. How do we respond when people we're in relationship with are weak? Do we respond by giving them our strength so they can get through it? Or do we respond in judgment? Do we respond and detach ourselves? Do we respond and get an attitude? Or do we say, you're having a hard time. How can I help? You're struggling right now. Is there a strength that I can give you. You're in lack and I have an abundance. How can I be a blessing in the midst of your burden? Here is how you know you're a Christian. When you see weakness, you respond with strength. Self-centered people make it all about them. Oh, they, they're not doing what I want, so I'm not going to do what they want. They not calling me, I'm not calling them. They ain't taking me out, I'm not taking them out. We respond with weakness when we see weakness. The human side of us says, you got to earn what I'm going to give you. But the holy side says, I'm going to give you everything I have, whether you give me anything back or not. 
our strength should be making someone else strong. Our power should be perfecting someone else's weakness. Mark 9, 33 through 37 says, and I'm done after this. Y'all been a great crowd. Here it is. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he began to question them. What were you discussing on the way, Jesus asked his disciples. But they kept silent. They kept silent because they were embarrassed to tell Jesus what they were discussing. Here it is. For on the way, they had discussed which one, I'm sorry, they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that um, in 2,000 years, the church hadn't changed much? <laughs> 2,000 years, we, we still fuss about title. 2,000 years later, we, we still argue about position and, and power. Here they are in the midst of the greatest servant who ever lived, and they're wondering who's got the most followers, who's got the most Instagram, who, who, who's making the biggest difference in the world, who does Jesus like the most, who's going to get to preach the next sermon, who's going to get the next promotion. They're arguing about who's the greatest. With Jesus <laughs> in the middle of them. Let, let me help you. If, if, if Jesus is with you, ain't none of y'all great. <laughs> Here's the problem. We compare ourselves to the people we're around instead of comparing ourselves to the person who's in us. Let me help you. It doesn't matter if you're better than Susie. It doesn't matter if you're holier than Jamal. It doesn't matter if you make more money than your coworker. Let me help you. Compare yourself to Jesus so you can humble yourself real quick. Jesus says, sit down, <laughs> verse 35. He called the 12 and said to them, let me explain greatness. I don't have a problem with your ambition. I don't have a problem with you desiring to be great. But let me tell you what greatness is. If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last. Because Jesus determined greatness not by what you can get from others, but, but based on how much you can give to others. He said greatness isn't going to be determined by your greed. Greatness is going to be determined by your giving. Greatness isn't going to be determined by your selfishness. 
Greatness is going to be determined by your selflessness. Greatness isn't going to be determined by your power. Greatness is going to be determined by how much you're willing to be persecuted. Greatness isn't going to be determined by your, your position. Greatness is going to be determined by your piety. Greatness isn't going to be determined by, by, by the worldly stuff. Greatness is going to be determined by kingdom stuff. He said, if you want to be great, let me tell you how to get there. Make yourself last. If you want to be great, talk last. If you want to be great, give your opinion last. If you want to be great, show up first and help. If you want to be great, give the most. If you want to be great, he said, listen, in the kingdom, principles are paradoxical, meaning we don't operate how the culture operates. If, if you want to be great in the culture, yeah, position matters. If you want to be great in the culture, yeah, power matters. If you want to be great in the culture, yeah, popularity matters. But when you gave your life to Christ and you became a part of his kingdom, the stuff got flipped upside down. So when you in the kingdom, persecution is what makes you great. That's why Jesus chose his cross, his, the cross to be his brand. He, he said, if anybody wants to be my disciple, they must first deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me. You can't be a disciple without grabbing the cross. He says, if you want to be identified with me, you're going to have to get comfortable in uncomfort. If you want to be a disciple of mine, you're going to have to have some peace and some pain. If you want to be a disciple of mine, you're going to have to learn how to praise in the midst of your persecution. If you want to be like me, you're going to have to be last. Think about this. When Jesus was selecting his disciples, young people, you ought to do this. He prayed 24 hours before selecting who he would surround himself with. You need to be more selective in your space. Stop giving anyone permission who wants to be your friend. How, you, 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 you need to do some research. You, you need to do some prayer. You need to make sure that the people who you are surrounding yourself with are, have the same purpose as you do. Jesus prayed 24 hours before selecting his disciples. And isn't it amazing that most of them didn't have much in common? Let me give you an example. One of the disciples was Simon the Zealot. He would have been known as a terrorist in a contemporary sense. He was called Simon, nicknamed Simon the Zealot, because his job was to, to murder Rome. His job was to, to protect the Jewish people. His job was to, to, to make sure that he protected the Jewish nation who was under the rule of Rome. He also selected Matthew, the tax collector. Now, being a tax collector and a Jew was worse than being Roman. Why? Because you were a Jew and you were considered a traitor because you're going to take from your own people and give it to those who have you under persecution. So Simon would have wanted to murder Matthew. That would have been a zealot's job. But Jesus says... Faith is going to be your filter. 
I'm going to call you to be in relationship with because, Simon, every time you see Matthew and you want to murder him, but you don't because of me, you just prove you were a disciple. You want to know why God will call you to be in relationship with people who think different, with people who believe different, with people who don't return what it is you give to them, you, with, with people who will let you down, with people who will be greedy versus generous. God is giving you an opportunity to prove that you're a disciple. That's why he'll allow friends to let you down sometimes. That's why he'll allow siblings and parents to let you down sometimes. That's why he'll allow spouses to let you down sometimes. Why? Because he says you have an allowance to give them. And every time they let you down and you love them, you prove that you're my disciple. Every time you're a friend to somebody who's a foe, you prove that you're a disciple. Every time you love when they let you down, you prove that you're a disciple. Yeah, God wants you to be happy, but he cares a whole lot more about you being holy. And so there are times where saying you love somebody isn't enough. We have to prove it. And the proof that we're in relationship with Jesus is our ability not to be triggered, but to show love. I want to challenge you to be more like Jesus, who sacrificed his life, emptied himself, so we could have life to the full. I want to challenge you to empty yourself to fill somebody else up. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this afternoon. And we just want to ask, will you fill us not so we can stay full, but so we can empty ourselves. Help us to be a conduit of your love. Help us to be a conduit of your grace. God, every single one of us, including the man with the microphone, could be a better lover, could, could show more proof, could be, be more like you. But we can't do it without your strength. So that's why we're praying, humbling ourselves, asking, will you help us show more love? Will you make our faith our filter instead of our feelings? Because we could do a better job loving those we do life with. We could do a better job impacting and inspiring our community to be more like Christ. Will we, may we be less judgmental and more like Jesus. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins and a day to be different, a day to start over, a day to where we can put down our pride and pick up our cross. 